Japan by River Cruise is made possible thanks to your donations at japanbyrivercruise.com and the generosity of our corporate sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by the Shinzo Abe Alarm Clock. Are you 100% sure that it's time to wake the hell up but need someone to make it official? You need the Shinzo Abe Alarm Clock. The Shinzo Abe Alarm Clock is super simple to use. First, place it on any right-leaning cabinet and then set it three days in advance. Let it run through its two-day preparing to raise the alarm program and then wait for it to go off at a completely arbitrary time. You'll know that it's exactly the right time to wake up when the Abe Alarm delivers its definitive and now? So if you don't want to be late, pick up yours sometime last month. The Shinzo Abe Alarm Clock may stop working for periods of up to five years and has zero legal authority to wake you up. Order online now or actually just take a bus to your local electronics store and buy it in person. It should still be open. Welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. And I'm Ollie Horn. And joining us today is Rochelle Kopp. Rochelle is a management consultant specializing in Japanese business culture. She runs her own consulting firm, teaches management at the University of Kitakyushu, and is the author of the books The Rice Paper Ceiling, Business Etiquette Japan, and Water Under the Bridge, a study in Japanese business ethics based on the case of the 1996 Zubaijigawa River Cruise Corporation hostile takeover slash serial murders. Hi, Rochelle. Thanks for joining us. Hi, great to be here. I'm glad to have you. Uh, on today's show, Japan declares a state of emergency is a sentence that sounds consequential, but a more culturally literate interpretation of this week's news might be something like, Japan gently requests that if it's not too much of a hassle, we try not to kill each other. Later in the show, Rochelle will help us understand why it generally is too much of a hassle. Plus, Ali's got your weekly river cruise recommendation. Ali? Yes, this week's recommendation is an enterprising Tokyo cruise who is selling vouchers for an intimate but safe cruise experience exclusively for passengers who have had the virus and therefore pose no health risk to each other. Just like foreigners who are too scared to admit they wouldn't pass the JLPT N3, passengers are permitted to self-assess their state of health in order to board. As for how long after they've had the illness, should they leave their house and board the cruise? Well, in line with government advice, as long as they want, really. And this spring is especially ideal for a river cruise under the cherry blossoms. The cherry blossoms, or sakura, as they're called when they're a Starbucks flavor, have long been beloved as a symbol of the fleeting beauty of existence. And what better way to appreciate the precariousness of life right now than getting on a boat full of other people? But first, Soap Talk. <laughs> Ali, how's your week? I cut my own hair, Bobby. Yeah? Yeah. It uh, didn't even reach a point of crisis. You know, it wasn't in, It wasn't like a, a final last resort. Oh, my hair's got too long. I need to cut it. Just sheer boredom. What, what do you, are you happy with the results? Rochelle can see you on the video. What, what do you think, Rochelle? Um, it looks fine, yes. Good. In profile, it does look <laughs> fine. Uh, I've now understood why professionals in a hairdressing salon are legally obliged to have that daft mirror that they put behind your head. Uh, because I found from experience, it is the sides and the back of the head that are the hardest to cut. Um, Rochelle, if you see the side of my head. Uh, oh, like wow. A, yeah, I've had an accident. Um, <laughs> but, the, <laughs> but 
every every bit of work I'm doing is so just wait, me wait, hold on. Are, ha- have you not had an accident? Did you do that on purpose? Well, obviously, I didn't do this design on purpose, did I? I, I took a I pair of kitchen scissors. I thought it was kind scissors. of like a punk rock kind of thing, no? Well, so the unintended consequences, I am now cool. It is very post-apocalyptic looking. Thank you. Rochelle, how about you? Anything uh, interesting going on your week? How's your How's your lockdown been so far? Oh, it's been fun. I've been, like everyone else, I've been cooking up a storm. I made kangaroo stew the other day. What's kangaroo stew? I I bought some kangaroo mincemeat from the meat guy on the internet. I thought oh, this was like a phrase I wasn't familiar with. You no, actually I, I actually cooked, cooked with real kangaroo, yes. Okay, so we're all going post-apocalyptic. Wow. Bobby, which of your children have you sacrificed? Oh, uh, Louie. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot Bobby does actually have a favorite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Uh, no, my, my week has been nuts. Uh, so the last couple of weeks, we talked about how I had to take uh, two weeks off of TV because uh, I got tested for, I, because I tested negative for Corona. Um, <laughs> there was, uh, I was complaining about it at the time, but there's a local Fukuoka celebrity named Gordy Ken. He's one of the Watanabe Pro entertainers. And he had a fever like I did. He did not get tested. Uh, and then when his fever went down, he went back to work and he had it. And so not only is he he hospitalized with coronavirus, but the show that he was on, uh, the entire Joho Bangumi, the you know weekly information show, it's a daily show. They took the entire show off of the air for two weeks because of everybody who was in contact with him. Wow. Do they know that the virus can't spread by being on the TV? <laughs> it's not being broadcast by 5G yet, is it? So my two weeks is over and I was back mm-hmm. on Saga TV and they didn't explain why I was out. They just said I was Taicho Furio, which means that your condition, your bodily condition is is not okay. It's It's the most common way to say you're sick without getting into details, right? So they said Isn't I was the implication that that you've had the virus then by saying that. Well, they said I was Taicho Furio and I was out for two weeks. So I come back and I say, so how do we deal with this when I come back? And they said, well, we'll just say you were Taicho Furio and move on. And I was like, well, should I say that I was tested and confirmed negative? And they said, don't mention it because we don't want you to associate your name with the words coronavirus, because <laughs> as soon as you say coronavirus, people will think that you had it. I'm like, but I'm saying it in the context of I tested negative. And yeah, they're like, yeah, too subtle. <laughs> it's too subtle, right? It's not clear enough. They'll think that you're, you're, you've had it and then we won't be able to book you uh, shoots anymore because people won't want to interact with you. So what we did instead of saying that I was out and had tested negative for coronavirus was the main MC went, Bobby, you were out for two weeks and now you're back. And I went, yep, I was out for two weeks. Now I'm back. <laughs> and then we just moved on. Goodness me. You can't possibly imagine this scenario happening in America, right? Someone saying, we don't want to say the virus's name because it might be death by association. Did Bobby handle this well? Um, I think you handled it very well. You're right. You would not really have this situation in the United States. People in the United States are going on Twitter or going on Medium, and they're telling their tale of how they had coronavirus and they got over it. And it's almost a, a bragging in some cases. So, yeah, you wouldn't have that problem at home. Yeah, but which is more suspicious? Like, if you're a viewer at home, are you going to hear me say I don't have coronavirus and go, oh, he probably has it? Or are you going to hear me say, I was sick, don't want to talk about it, <laughs> and assume that I had it? 
Yeah, the, I, the, I feel like that seems more suspicious, but I guess the Japanese idea is if it's, if it's indirect, we can sort of have it be fuzzy and then not deal with it, right? Yeah, as long as you haven't said the words. It's, it's, it's one of those things like just saying coronavirus three times on, on TV means you got it, right? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Rochelle, do you um when you do your seminars on how to interact with with Japanese colleagues, what are your kind of main bits of advice? Bobby's been in this industry for twelve years, and still he manages every week to come up with some story on the podcast of how he's been frustrated by how things <laughs> how things work. Yeah. Wow. Well, the thing the thing I always tell people if I want to give one you know sort of pithy piece of advice is talk less and listen more okay Bob, yeah. bobby's not interested uh, in that no not not keep, gonna work for me keep, uh, keep going. <laughs> so the advice is talk less and listen more so um so i'll continue to talk as though i haven't heard you say that and let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and check out our, our mail for the week uh we've got a mail from brian thank you brian and brian writes uh this is Ollie. I'm testing out the message function on the new website. Let me know if you've received this. Okay, glad you got it. <laughs> uh, we have a new website. We have a new website. Yeah. What, one of the things that you're able to do when you've got piss all else to do is build a new website. Uh, so it's uh, go and check it out. We've got some really gorgeous artwork that we um, I found this fantastic Indonesian uh, designer artist who does kind of trippy Japan kind of style stuff. It's really cool. Yeah, we go um, for authenticity. And so, you know, we wanted something that really says Japanese. So we hired an Indonesian. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but it's man, it looks it looks great. I'm really, I'm really happy with it. So, yeah, it's um, fantastic work. I, I asked Ali if we could promote the guy on social media, but he doesn't do social media. Which is what a life. I mean, what a fantastic life. Uh, we've changed the email box. So you can no longer send us an email, but you can send us a fax uh, through the website. So uh, it's an electronic is... fax, but yeah. it's a fax. Uh, just, it's those are the facts uh just on that note by the way i saw a journalist a japanese journalist that i follow on twitter say that uh, she couldn't um submit any questions to the uh, police in tokyo unless they were sent by fax and she said but i'm working from home and they said we'll use your fax machine at home your whole Genuine fax story machine. yeah 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 so Mad. i think that is a perfect opportunity to jump into the news Uh, I say it's a perfect opportunity because Rochelle, you were actually uh, tweeting about a bunch of different articles about problems with telework. You were quoted in one in the Washington Post, but before that, I want to ask you about the Incom one, the Hanko one. Did you see that in? Um, it was uh, Asia Nikkei. Yes, I did. So this again, like the fax machine, you know, you have to fax the police questions. This was Japan is talking about telework, but you still need to go into the office to put your stamp on your official forms. Right. Evidently, a lot of people are doing that. And, you know, they'll be at home and then every two days or three days, they'll go to the office to stamp pieces of paperwork. This reminds me exactly of when they said they were going to close the schools, um, but they were going to keep them open as places for the kids to congregate as like childcare centers. It's like you, you, so you're making people work from home, but then they still have to come into the office. It's pointless. It is basically pointless, right? <laughs> what is it about Japanese business culture that, that, you know, if you're not face to face or that if you're not putting these little personal hand stamp touches on things here and there that there's this breakdown? Well, I think part of it is the idea that things have to be on paper to be valid, 
And if something just lives in the computer and it's a computer-generated sign-off, et cetera, somehow it's not real. Huh. So when I first started teaching at the university, I had to learn all their systems. And one of the things I learned, had to learn how to do was to file an expense report. So if I had bought a book, you know, there's certain research funds that you get as a professor that I would get reimbursed for buying this book. And so I asked them, well, how do I do this? And they said, well, you know, there's, you can fill out a piece of paper or there's also an online system. I said, oh, great, there's an online system, I'll use that. And I said, so I just fill it in in the online system and then you know, it gets sent to you. And she says, no, 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 you fill it in on the online system and then you print it out and then you stamp it. <laughs> I want to work back around to, to the problems that are going on with telework right now. But of course, the biggest news this week is that um, Abe finally got around to declaring the state of emergency. And Twitter was just having so much fun. I know Ali was having a lot of fun with the three days where he was preparing to prepare to prepare to declare the state of emergency. And Ali, Ali kept going like, at what point do we say, you know, it's officially an emergency, right? It reminds me of that scene uh, in the, the It crowd when someone sees a fire and rather than going to extinguish that fire, they start typing an email to the fire brigade and then, you know, keep redrafting it. Oh, is that too, is that too formal? Like this, the, the very concept of thinking about declaring an emergency when an emer when an actual emergency is happening before you is mad. Is this just a Japanese obsession with formality, Rochelle? Well, what I feel like it is, I feel like there's a chart that I have in our seminars where I show over time how an Americans would make a decision versus Japanese make a decision. And Americans mm. have a fairly short period of time to assess the situation. They make a decision and then go. Whereas Japanese have a very, very long, drawn-out process until they hit the hit the, the the go sign, right? And so that's what I feel like we were experiencing here in that really long time. Yeah, we're getting started. Could I suggest that I actually think American business culture is very, very different to to even British business culture that, that I knew about. But I think one thing that's distinct about how Americans do businesses, like Rochelle said, they make a decision very quickly. But then once that decision has been made, the uh, iterations are allowed to happen. Exactly. After yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I, actually, I end up drawing the two lines the same length. And for the Americans, the decision happens soon. And then there's all these iterations that happen after it. Whereas with the Japanese, they try and do all that sort of in their heads beforehand yeah. so that then they can make the decision and then really quickly implement it. So the two lines are the same length. It's just, it, is there a lot of time after the decision or a lot of time before the decision? Firstly, I think it's really odd. I mean, I think it says something about the way that our world is working, that we are not responding to this global pandemic in a global way. I mean, the, the idea that a virus respects borders is just mad. Uh, it doesn't make sense that individual governments are each tr trying their own approaches. Um, I mean, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe we're, we're running a series of experiments in real time. Um, well, uh, it does it it end up being that way, yeah. I, I think it's true from country to country, but also within domestically as well, because this emergency declaration was for seven out of 47 prefectures and and to, to take you know the the example that's being thrown up all over the place it applies to tokyo but not kanagawa 
And there's so much crossover between Tokyo and Kanagawa. This was a, a joke I did at the roast in Tokyo about how, you know, if you're a foreigner in Tokyo, you work at Nekaiwa and Kawasaki, right? It's like everybody's commuting back and forth. And if, if the, the state of emergency doesn't apply to people on your closest border, then what is it actually doing? Well, thankfully, Bobby, the, st the state of emergency, even when applied, is not respected. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't worry. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about people in the neighboring border moving about. Do you think the fact that Japan seems to have been really, really behind the curve on this is, is, is just a product of, well, every single country in the world is responding to a, a seemingly ident identical crisis. And Japan sticks out like a sore thumb because their approach has been so different. I think in a way on the Japanese part, it's been on purpose. Well, yeah, yeah. The, the Japanese have said, here is our way of doing it. And we're not going to do it like those other countries. And we have our own plan. And so there's almost a nationalistic flavor to it. If you see some of the language out there, the original plan was we're going to do these cluster tracing, which is contact tracing of, of find these clusters. And we're not going to do a lot of testing. And we're only going to test people under very stringent criteria. So that was the initial plan. Now that's been morphing a little bit. But the idea was, here's what our, our approach is, and we're going to stick with it, even if the situation changes. So that's another aspect of Japanese culture that I feel like once Japanese institutions decide on a course of action, it's very, very hard for them to change it, even in the face of changing realities. Right. One of the big things about Japan is that it's a shame-based culture. And there should be a lot of power in just saying, everyone is doing it, you need to do it too, or else you're going to be embarrassed. So instead of kind of taking that approach, they're spending all this time and emphasizing, well, we don't have the legal power for this. And then it becomes the it becomes a really political thing too. Yeah, I think there's something to that. I, I have heard a lot of Japanese people in the media industry say that uh, all this coverage of people not staying home and all of this coverage of of you know politicians saying, well, we don't have the authority to say this or that, and commentators saying, well, they can't legally enforce, they can't compel. All of that kind of coverage is making people go, well, nobody else is staying home, and they can't enforce it. Right. Whereas, as Rochelle is suggesting, if the politicians came out and were to say, hey, you've got to stay home, and it just brush over the fact that they're not allowed to force you to stay home, but use that that culture of shaming, it might be more effective. And I really think they ought to be using the culture of shame on companies. It ought to be embarrassing for a company to still force people to come into work. And they have not been turning that shame on the companies. And, and I, I don't understand. And the messaging seems all wrong to me. It doesn't seem to be effective. I think, if anything, this has kind of really highlighted how untrue a lot of the stereotypes about Japan are. You right. know, the cleanliness, the um, people following the rules. There's all this stuff about, you know, Japanese people are obedient. They comply. They follow rules. And there's that article that Ali sent us this week about um, the medical students who were told not to go out and fraternize. And the 18 medical students went out to a nightclub together, and now they all have the virus. And there's also the idea that Japan has this strong sense of community responsibility. But if you watch any local news program where they're interviewing young people who are out in the town and they go, why aren't you out? They go, well, I'm not going to get it. Like, even if I get it, I'll be fine. And I think it's right. really highlighted right. the ways in which the stereotypes aren't, aren't true. We do. We, yes. we need to get back to shaming.
Let's shame the hell out of this country. I wonder if this is to do with the fact that Japan is a society that's predominantly functioning because of a strong norm-based rule of law. That is to say that where there's a spectrum of, on the one hand, just norms which keep society going, and on the other hand, uh, authoritarian rule-based order, that the reason why it's quite hard to make people change their behavior is norms normally take a very, very long time to develop. And people in their lifetime have not experienced a pandemic like this. And so they don't know what the right conduct is. They don't know what conduct is going to be uh, the one which will prevent them from being shamed. Right, because there's nothing that you can point to that's a rule or a policy. And yeah, and so it's just something that you decided on your own doesn't have validity. Yeah, there's definitely that aspect in Japanese culture. Um, you know, getting back to the to the telework thing you were asking about, I did some research and there was an, a, a survey a couple years ago of Japanese companies. And one of the questions was about barriers to, to doing telework. And the top barrier was, we don't have a company policy for it. So... <laughs> when, Seriously, yeah. that was, you know, in a U.S. company, let's say one person says, hey, I've got a personal situation or whatever need and I want to work at home. And they can do an ad hoc one-off with their manager and figure out how to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's not possible in a Japanese company. Because you can't have that one person or the one person and their managers making that decision for themselves. They have to be following a rule. And so if there's no policy there, you can't do it. That is a great get-out-of-jail card, though, isn't it? If anyone asks me to do anything from now on, I won't say, no, I don't want to. I'll say, no, I haven't come up with my policy yet. <laughs> I, I've, I've done similar. Not that I haven't come up with a policy, but I've blamed company policy. So let's say I have a situation where a customer or a vendor or someone asked me to do something that I don't want to do. And so very easy for me if I can figure out a way to say, oh, I'm sorry, that's against company policy. Okay, it's my company. I, I make the policy, but I don't want to say it's right, me. Right. I say, oh, well, there's a, we have a company policy against this. And that's the polite way that I can distance myself. Or that idea of, in Japanese of culture. people never trying things that are new, people never innovating. It's that, I, well, can you do this? Well, there's no precedent for it. And no precedent for it means right. no. It, it's it's so interesting that, that, that you mentioned that the top reason was we have no policy for it, therefore we're not doing it. I have a friend that works for a major recruitment company. It's an American re recruitment company that has a number of offices in Tokyo. And their central policy in America was, we're going to close all of our offices. Uh, you know, everyone can, can work from home. And so that policy then got sent to the Tokyo office and they implemented it. And my friend's been working at home happily for two weeks. They've been doing Zoom meetings and they've been, uh, you know, s doing all their phone calls. And they they already um, managed to find a local um, supplier to spin up some phone system so they could still pretend that they were uh, in an office. Um, and so it's it's not that Japan can't do it, right? It's just that, that, that there, there maybe isn't isn't the will there. And I know this is going to sound kind of harsh, but I'm going to tell you my hypothesis on this one. One of the problems in Japanese companies is they have this system called Jinji Ido. Yeah. Where people rotate from position to position. Jinji is, and is personnel and Ido. Personnel yeah. and Ido is movement, yeah. right. And so it's the periodic personnel shuffle. And they will move people around widely between departments into areas that they have absolutely no background. 
So an area that we would think of as requiring professional skills and experience, like running your IT department, they'll more rotate someone in from sales, someone who doesn't know anything about it. And so I feel like a lot of the responses that I see from Japanese IT departments of, oh, we can't do it because it's not secure. Those are the answers of someone who actually doesn't really know their field particularly well. Right. That if you actually were an expert in IT, that you would know what things could be possible and what could be secure. But if you don't really have any depth, everything is frightening and you want to avoid all of it. So I feel like it's another way that Jinji Ido is really ruining Japanese business. Well, I, I've been surprised with, with the response to the pandemic in the ways in which it has kind of gone from the bottom up. We talked a little bit on the podcast last week about how our friend Michaela and a coworker pressured their Yochien to, like from the bottom up, they pressured their Yochien to say, you know, we're endangering people's lives. We need to shut down and they shut down. And in a lot of ways, uh, this this most recent declaration of state of emergency from Abe was the result of pressure from everybody underneath going, you need to make this declaration. It's, it's coming too late. It's coming too late. And so I kind of really think the idea that Rochelle brought up earlier about shaming people into doing something, you know, maybe the decisions have to come from the top down, but there's this power at the bottom to shame. Just as a quick test to see whether or not we think shame uh, is a good tool for behavior modification. Uh, Ali, will you cut your own hair again? Honestly, from now on, as long as I, I'm only looking straight on at a screen, I think I can get away with it. And here on after, even after the lockdown, I think if I just spend my life just addressing people from the front and not having any reason to turn my head. Uh, if I'm, say, getting intimate with someone, uh, they'll, I'll give them a textbook um, <laughs> of, of maybe four or, f four or five positions, which, uh, uh, which still I look good in. I genuinely believed when I only, had, only saw my head from the front, wow, I can cut my own hair from now on. This is going to save me loads of money in the future. Hell, I should be a hairdresser. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I, was so, I, was so, I was so impressed with myself. I really was. Um, <laughs> So no, I don't. I don't think it's and and you know why? Why uh, it's just it's just hair, isn't it? Why should I? Um, you know, if, I, I think if someone is, if a podcast listener is judging, it's funny, isn't it? People are going to be listening to this and wondering how bad it is. Uh, it's. I put a small video on my Twitter. It's it's. Put it this way: if this hair right were on a ha more handsome face, they could probably get away mm. with it. It's like. I'm not attractive enough to wear clothes bought in a charity shop because it looks like they're my clothes that are so old I should be donating them, right? Whereas someone that's cool that buy cl buys clothes from a charity shop, they look cool. I've got them. another way to explain it. Uh, it's, it's a messed up haircut. It's not messed up enough that it's worth following Ollie on Twitter. <laughs> Hey, thanks for sticking till the end of this Japan by River Cruise episode 30. Do check out the new website. Let us know what you think. Uh, JapanbyRiverCruise.com. There's a fax machine button there and uh, you can send us an... I was going to say send us an email. You can't. It's a fax. Uh, send us a fax and let us know what you think of the new design. Rochelle, thanks very much for joining us this week. If people want to hear more of your hot, hot takes, where can they go? 
Um, let's see. Well, they can go to my website, japanintercultural.com. We've got lots of articles and great things on there. And I'm a Twitter fiend. So Japan Intercult is my Twitter handle. Catch me there, too. Yeah, Rochelle's tweets and retweets uh, are always really, really engaging, really, really interesting. We recommend checking them out. Um, also, check out her books if you're interested in Japanese business etiquette and anything about Japan and business in general. Uh, you can find Ali and I on Twitter and on Instagram. I am so close to crossing the threshold I've been trying to cross for a long time. With just a couple more followers, I will have over 5,236 followers. So, uh, <laughs> So yeah, go ahead and follow. Yeah, push me over that. Push me over that that marker there. 